right, we're here, man. September. You're probably pretty bummed, right? You seem like a like a summer guy. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Like oh, when I think shot. like when I think about Big Jaw, I think about like, you know, like Lampin in like Florida, Hawaiian shirts, sun out, enjoying the heat. You're definitely not a fall guy. Absolutely not. You're absolutely wrong. First of all, because fall is clear cut the best season, especially in upstate New York. I'm definitely not a winter guy. I hate the snow. I hate being cold. It's the perfect weather, 50, 55 degrees. Leaves are on the ground blowing away. There's a nice breeze every single day. Mm. Um, you got Halloween. You got Thanksgiving. My birthday. Football. Hoodie weather. You know, just wear a nice hoodie. Shorts. Shoes. That, that's the fit. Sweatpants season too. Mm. If, if you want to rock the sweats in, in the hoodie and be comfortable and, and not be sweating your ass off. Yeah. I mean... God, we're, we're getting into the best time of the year, especially with football coming on in a week from today. Can't wait for that. But yeah, today, I don't know if you've been outside, but you, you could definitely tell the weather is starting to transition. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I'm just surprised because usually, you know, your takes are, are kind of trash, but fall is is absolutely the vibe. You know, joggers, hoodie, you know, smoke a cigarette in the rain. That's my bag. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 159 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to review some of the fantasy landscape shifting stories that have come up over the past week, help make sure that all of our listeners are caught up on the news heading into the final weeks of fantasy drafts. We'll be discussing some of the impactful injuries, surprise cuts as NFL teams are finalizing their initial 53-man rosters. Also, as this will be our final podcast of the offseason, at the end of the show, we will outline our plans for the season and let you guys know what type of content we'll be putting out on a weekly basis. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. And if you'd like to, you can find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week. And last thing before I pass the mic to my homie Joe, if you haven't yet, make sure you check out last week's episode of the podcast, episode 158, where we were joined by Establish the Runs, Adam Levitan. It was a great episode. A lot of gems were dropped. You can check that out on this podcast feed or find the full video interview on YouTube. Joey, how you doing, buddy? One week until the NFL season starts. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned in the intro, I'm just excited for football to finally be back. It's just so annoying, you know, liking football and having it be your favorite sport in the sport that you make content around having an off season that is seven months or eight months or whatever and then only having a four month season when it when it feels like every other sport is on year round like nba Mm -hmm. and mlb but yeah i'm excited for football to be back just been drafting nonstop for the last couple of months on underdog and drafters so i'm kind of excited for that to be over we got our redraft league drafts coming up this weekend so i'm excited for that and maybe we might have to do something surrounding that maybe like a little irl video 
video or, or something mm. for the YouTube channel. Uh, we could talk about that later. But yeah, man, I'm just hyped for football to be back. I can't wait to be sitting down with my boys probably next Thursday night watching the Bucks and Cowboys play in, in the opening day game. So it's going to be such a vibe. I can't wait to just light some money on fire for that first oh, showdown yeah. slate on DraftKings. $10 Millie Maker, 400,000 entries. <laughs> I'm definitely going to not cash at all in that. So that, that's going to be fun. Yeah, man. Let me ask you this. Have you experienced any like best ball fatigue? Because I personally like I'm sick of it. I'm sick of drafting. I I just want football to start. Okay. Like I want to get back into my bag, my DFS bag, strategize on these slates, the prices. I'm just sick of making the same picks over and over again. You know, I I Hmm. by far have drafted the most teams I've ever drafted in an off season for best ball. I think a lot of people have with all of the new availability. And it's like, I still want to be drafting theoretically because, you know, there, there will be overlay on some of these sites. Drafters $11 tournament, potentially the big dog on underdog, uh, which we're also going to be doing a live stream of tonight if you're listening on Thursday evening, late night big dog stream. So you can find that uh, on our YouTube channel and Twitter. But man, I just, I don't know. I'm sick of drafting. I'm just ready to get back into DFS. Yeah, I'm definitely ready to get back into DFS. And I don't know if I would say I'm fatigued personally. I would say that I don't have enough money to <laughs> draft you know as much as some of these other people like uh james friend of the show who has like five thousand drafts or whatever <laughs> yeah, like I, I definitely don't have the bankroll for all of that uh so i only have like 140 or 150 teams I, I know you have way more than that but i definitely could draft more if i you know had the had the money to chase the overlay and the $11 and the big dog but you know got to save some of that for week 1 and for the NFL season on DFS where I I think my edge is higher in that than in best ball so mm-hmm. not fatigued but I am hype and ready to go for DFS and for football to to be back. Well, let's get into some of the big news stories that have come out over the last week. There have been a lot of them, you know, starting quarterback announcements, injuries, etc., players getting cut. And let's start off with, you know, the biggest story I think of mm-hmm. this week where Mac Jones was named the starter for your New England Patriots. Cam Newton in a corresponding move was cut. I think that was a huge surprise as far as uh players that were getting cut. It seemed like it was a 50-50 battle, but apparently Mac Jones has done enough to really prove to to old bill that he's ready to go week one starter mac jones how are you feeling about it i'm feeling good man i think he definitely showed enough in the preseason for the patriots to make this move but i didn't expect them to outright cut cam that was surprising Mm -hmm. um I expected them to just bench him and keep him on the squad, you know, as a solid QB too, because teams need good backup quarterbacks. And if Mac was a starter, Cam probably is the best backup quarterback in the NFL, right? I was surprised when they cut him, but if you take into account all of the vaccination stuff, it came out last week or two weeks ago that Cam isn't vaccinated when he missed those five days due to, you know, misinterpreting COVID protocols. And obviously we won't know for sure if that came into play or not but I personally think it did you know just get rid of the hassle go with Mac Jones go with the rookie and you know I I just have to toot our own horns real quick too because we were Mm. on this totem oh yeah we were on Mac Jones starting before any major podcast that I've listen to specifically episode 149 if you want to go back and listen to that that was july 1st and i think even on streams before that we said that we thought mac jones was was going to be the guy for the patriots this season and we told 
the listeners to take that bet on DraftKings Sportsbook, Mac Jones to start at plus money back in the beginning of July, so almost two months ago now. So I, I like to think that we were one of the first podcasts on that. So shout out to us. Yeah. And and you know, Bill Belichick actually today said that vaccination status had nothing to do with it. I think he probably saw um, the the shit storm that Urban Meyer uh, brought upon himself (laughs) by saying it it was a factor in some of his decisions. So yeah, I mean, obviously Bill's a a seasoned veteran when it comes to dealing with the media. So yeah, it makes sense. I don't necessarily believe him at all. But, you know, just from a Mac Jones perspective, it seems like the general consensus is that this is an improvement for virtually every player on the Patriots roster. From a fantasy perspective, it frees up goal line carries that Cam could have vultured for Damian Harris. It reintroduces James White as a primary piece in the offense as Mac Jones is a lot more likely to be dumping the ball off to him as a better prospect to be a better thrower. Jacoby Myers... Nelson Aguilar, both the tight ends. Uh, this seems like a plus for every Patriots skill position player. Yeah, it definitely boosts the fantasy stock of guys that we've been drafting all offseason in Damian Harris, Jacoby Myers, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, James Way. I think all of their stocks get boosted without the presence of Cam Newton's rushing ability on the team. And, you know, just for reference, in regards to Damian Harris, Cam Newton had 19 rush attempts inside the five-yard line for nine touchdowns last year. So all of those should go to Damian Harris and or Ramondre Stevenson. It's still out on whether or not he will have a role. I don't think he will, but he could after being the preseason MVP. So I think Damian Harris stock boosts the most without Cam Newton. I, I like Jacoby. I like the tight ends, obviously. James White is good again now too. Mac is just a better passer. And, you know, we've talked about it for the last couple of months. He just fits what the Patriots want to do on offense. They want an accurate passer, take what the defense gives him, not make mistakes. And that's what Mac Jones is going to do. So he won the job. I think the Patriots guys are way better than they were last week, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and I like it for my own portfolio. I mean, we've talked before about, you know, how we're both super high on both tight ends. I've got a ton of them in best ball. I have a lot of Myers, a decent amount of Harris. So I like this move for myself, Joey. But what do you think about uh, Cam Newton's prospects? Is he is he done? Is he going to land as a backup? Is he going to have any potential to be a starter somewhere? I mean, I saw some speculation about potentially reuniting with Ron Rivera and Washington all they've got is Heineke and Fitzpatrick. I wouldn't be shocked to see that connection be made. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either if he ends up in Washington. And I think he would be the starter there, 100%. I still think he has some something left in the tank. Obviously, he's not what he was in 2015 when he won MVP, throwing to the likes of Devin Funches and Calvin Benjamin and Ted Ginn Jr. But I still think he, he's got something left, I, I, I think. He still is valuable on the ground. I still think he's more talented than some of the starters in the league currently, like Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, just to, just to name a few teams. So I definitely definitely think he will get signed but honestly it depends on him and, and where he wants to go if he wants to be a starter or if he wants to go to a team that you know has some Super Bowl aspirations as like a QB2 I know there's mm-hmm. been some Dallas rumors he can go back up Dak Prescott and I think that'd be a good move for both sides so I think it just depends on Cam and what he wants to do. Does he want to, you know, go to a winning team and, and sit behind a quarterback and just play a backup role? Or does he want to be the starter and, you know, hopefully lead a team like the Broncos to the playoffs? Because I think they have the talent to go to the playoffs. It's just their suspect quarterback play. And 
and Denver and Washington for that matter. Mm. Yeah, that would that would actually be a phenomenal landing spot for Cam, I think, to to go to Denver. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that as that story develops. You know, last week, sticking sort of in New England, the Patriots sent Sony Michelle to the Rams in a trade for a couple of 2022 conditional late round picks. Xavier Jones, one of the running backs that was set to pick up some of the work that Cam Akers left behind, was cut in a corresponding move. How big of a role do you think that Sony Michelle is going to play for this? This team. The Rams wanted to go out and get him. They, they traded for him. And now there's more mouths to feed along with Daryl Henderson and Jake Funk. I definitely think that Sony is going to have a good role on mm-hmm. the Rams. They want to run a committee. I believe that they were going to run Acres a lot with Henderson, you know, having a decent workload when both of them were healthy. Now it's Henderson and Sony. So I think they're going to both have good workloads. I think he's worth a pick in, in fantasy now, probably in the 11th or 12th round, is where I would take Sony. Great scheme, great team, great offensive-minded head coach that I think will utilize Sony Michelle correctly. I just don't know which of the two is going to be the pass-catching back. I think we assume it's Daryl Henderson right now, and I, I think I think that is true. But Sony Michelle can catch passes. He is solid out of the backfield. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I definitely think Sony Michelle is worth a flyer in the 12th or 13th round in redraft, especially with Daryl Henderson having durability issues in his first two years of his career. So if Henderson were to miss any time, Sony would be the clear cut lead back with Xavier Jones getting cut. I don't mind Sony. Um, I, I know I've talked a lot of shit about him, though, but I don't, yeah. I don't mind him. I mean, I, I think it's worth like you you've tweeted it right after the news came out that, you know, like everybody just remember that Sony is not good. Right. Yeah, and, no. and I think that that does need to be taken into consideration. But, the you know, as we know, every single year, opportunity is the most important factor when it comes to running backs, definitely more so than talent. So Sony could definitely just find himself in the right position. There's been the durability concerns with Daryl Henderson. How much of a knock do you think it is for Daryl Henderson, though? Sony, to me, poses a bigger threat to his workload than Jones or funk ever did and and i just i don't know where exactly i would feel comfortable taking henderson anymore i mean is he he's certainly out of that chris carson deandre swift here where he was sort of being uh taken before yeah i think taking him in the tier of chase edmonds and and trey sermon and moster and james robinson i think is where he should end up i don't know if he's fallen that far yet that's where i would personally take him so end of the sixth early seventh round i think is fine for daryl henderson now maybe that's knocking him too much like i said he still could have a large role and he still could have you know the the role that we want in fantasy which is the pass catching role i think he's way more talented than Sony Michelle at at this point in their careers. So still like Henderson, but I would definitely knock him down a round or two, uh, personally. Mm. In other running back news, J.K. Dobbins is going to miss the season, Joey. This is a real bummer, I think, because it kind of detracts from how right we were going to be about this. Like J.K. Dobbins was never a good pick in the third round, but I mean, so it's good you know, in the fact that our listeners were probably off of J.K. Dobbins, hopefully, but you know, now we don't get the satisfaction of actually being right because you know it was a, it was a fluke injury that sort of took him out and has elevated the rest of the Ravens' running backs in his absence. Yeah, unfortunate injury for J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL. I think he also tore his PCL. So kind of a long recovery ahead of him. And hopefully, if you listen to this podcast, you 
didn't draft much of Dobbins. I have 1% Dobbins on underdog, like easiest fade in, in the third round. So I hope everybody faded him. I, I know some people were high on him, which is unfortunate, but now it's Gus Edwards time, baby. Yeah. And, and I'm going to play this old podcast clip, Joey. This is one from, from one of our original very first podcasts. Uh, excuse the audio quality. We've gotten better since then, but I, I just want people to know, okay, we are true Gus Edwards truthers. So I did a bit of digging before the show. You know, my background is in journalism. So I reached out to a source of mine and I secured a quote. So this quote comes straight from the lips of a Rutgers University running back, Charles Snorway, and it's describing a former teammate of his, right? So the quote goes, he was somebody that you could trust to go to war with. All right, pause. I'll read the second part of the quote in a moment, but I don't know if you guys heard what I just said, right? I said war. So this former teammate of Mr. Snorway was someone that you could trust in battle, right? And let's be honest, that's what football is. It's a battle. It's a war. Now for the second part of the quote. And and this part of the quote explains why Mr. Snorway felt as if he could trust this former teammate. And the reason he felt that he could trust him is not by his words, but by his actions. Okay, end quote. Now, do you guys know who this quote is describing? Nah, who? It is describing another former Rutgers running back, and that's a man whose recent actions, actions that we already know you can trust, include 17 rushes for 115 yards. And this week on DraftKings, <laughs> this man is 4,400 on DraftKings.com, okay? So I only have one more question for you guys. Are you guys ready to board the bus? The Gus bus, Gus Edwards, it's time. <laughs> what? Put your whole bankroll on it. A man you can go to war with, Joey. We said it years ago, and it stands to reason today, man. Gus Edwards is primed for a massive role. According to Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman, Gus Edwards will handle a much bigger workload following J.K. Dobbins' season-ending injury. Roman said that he's our kind of guy. He's built for what we do. And, and man, I mean, Gus Edwards, I think, is set up to have a career season this year. Yeah, I mean, Gus is you know just a true soldier right can go to war with him you know what you're going to get out of him three years in the nfl in all three seasons he's gone over 700 yards on the ground in all three seasons he's averaged over five yards per carry so you know you're going to get an elite runner of the football in gus edwards obviously the ravens don't pass much to their running backs and, and i think that's kind of where people are lower on Gus Edwards than J.K. Dobbins is because they don't believe that Gus Edwards is going to have the role that they projected J.K. Dobbins to have. But I wasn't projecting J.K. Dobbins to have that role either way. Exactly. I guess that's kind of why we were lower on J.K. Dobbins is because we thought that he wasn't going to have that role. Gus might not, but he's still going to get 200 plus touches on one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. So I fully expect him to have over a thousand yards if he stays healthy over the course of the season. Their backup running backs are who Justice Hill and Tyson Williams or Tyson Williams, who, by the way, is reportedly uh, jumped Justice Hill and is actually the running back, too. So, you know, he, he could have some sleeper appeal if he has a role similar to what Gus Edwards would have had prior to the J.K. Dobbins injury. Just a deep sleeper to keep an eye on. Yeah, but in all likelihood he's probably trash mm-hmm. so i'm i want to be too worried about him maybe maybe he'll have a role in definitely he'll have a role if gus were to get hurt but yeah man i definitely like gus edwards i think he's fine 
now in the seventh, eighth round. I I think he is in that same tier as um, James Robinson, Daryl Henderson, Chase Edmonds, Trey Sermon, that tier that we referenced a couple minutes ago. So wouldn't mind drafting him there. Obviously, no pass catching upside hurts. So I don't know if I would, you know, go crazy on Gus Edwards in full PPR, but in half PPR and standard, I think he's a fine pick. Yeah, I mean, I think that you take him similar to where you take Damian Harris. You know, I see them having yes, similar yes. roles. and They're very, very similar roles. Yeah. Yep. And, and to me, Edwards actually projects to have a better role than what J.K. Dobbins was going to have. Because like you said, you know, the, the projection of Dobbins taking a step forward as a receiver is just something that we never bought. And I think that these other, you know, Justice Hill and, and Tyson Williams are not going to eat into Gus's workload as the primary back as much as Gus would have eaten into J.K. Dobbins' role as the primary back. And, and potentially this adds to the touchdown upside of Lamar Jackson on the ground. So all in all, I mean, I think that Gus Edwards is is definitely worth, I would say a sixth round pick, same place I'd be comfortable taking Damian Harris in PPR. The touchdown upside sort of offsets the lack of receiving work and, and I'm ready for Gus Edwards season, baby. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I think he's going to be a fine low end RB2, high end RB3 flex play mm-hmm. for 2021. In other injury news, Vikings tight end Irv Smith is expected to miss the entire season kind of a bummer for him he projected as as a breakout coming into his third year he was a red zone option and there were targets to be had in the Vikings offense in a corresponding move Minnesota traded for Chris Herndon they've got Tyler Conklin there um you know how, how do you sort of see the fallout of this Irv Smith uh, injury affecting the Vikings offense yeah I think it just condenses the offense even more to begin with I thought there was only four draftable guys on the Vikings obviously cook the two top wide receivers in Irv now I think it's just three mm-hmm. uh, Herndon is not a factor we've already gone through this experiment multiple seasons has hasn't worked out he shouldn't have a major role Tyler Conklin is a stone scrub so I'm not drafting him cook gets a boost in the receiving game I think Justin Jefferson gets a little boost and I think Adam Thielen gets a little boost and this is probably the the offense that has the most condensed touches in the entire NFL for three guys that's it Cook Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen yep I I agree with that point 100% I think it boosts the touchdown upside for Dalvin Cook I think that they probably skew a little more run heavy in scoring position and Adam Thielen has always been a career touchdown scorer it was definitely expected I think for some regression to hit him but this sort of offsets that expectation I think as that was you know the reason people were interested in Irv Smith was what he could do in the red zone as a touchdown scorer and and I think that that shifts Mm -hmm. right back to Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen like we saw last season yep like I said my my main point is it's the most condensed offense in terms of touches in the NFL now with only three guys so it's definitely an offense that you want to target in fantasy because you know who's going to get the ball yep Joey Indianapolis the Colts are kind of turning into an absolute train wreck they're going to be without T.Y. Hilton for a couple of weeks that's not a huge impact but we've also got Wentz you know away from the facility with COVID as well as Ryan Kelly and Zach Pascal. coach missed some time with COVID earlier in the offseason I'm starting to really get nervous about this Colts team do, do you think that's an overreaction action or or how are you feeling about the Colts right now I mean I don't know if it's an overreaction but maybe that's just because I didn't think they were that great of a team to begin with I think their defense played a little 
bit above their skill level last year. So I expect their defense to regress. I think Wentz is a bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So don't really care for Wentz much. Skill position wise, I don't think they're really strong anywhere. T.Y. Hillen's old. Michael Pittman, I mean, he's solid. Paris Campbell has been hurt his first two years in the NFL. So we have to see him actually stay healthy. Tight ends, they don't really have any. They have Jonathan Taylor and, and, and Hines. Other than that, it's like, where are they really strong at on their team, you know? They're not, I don't think they're really strong anyway. I mean, yeah, besides defensive line with Buckner and some of the other guys that got there and Darius Leonard for their linebacking core, they're not really strong anywhere. Well, offensive line as well. They've got, they've definitely got. Okay. Yes. Yes. You are right. They're strong on both lines and that's really going to be what this team comes down to. Cause I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly you know they added Carson Wentz like it's going to be some kind of major revelation and he's yeah, barely no. an improvement over the final season of Philip Rivers career like let's be honest Wentz was hands down one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last season and, and I like Michael Pittman I love Paris Campbell I'm ready to get burned by him for a third straight year I've, I've taken shots on him in all three of his seasons he's one of my top 10 highest owned wide receivers uh, in best ball so I don't know man I think this team's going to live and die by whether or not their run game is able to elevate with Jonathan Taylor uh, behind this great line and, and, you know, Mm. Hines and Mac mixing in, but it's just, it's just grim. It's just a very grim situation in my opinion. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not too high on Indy. They are in the weakest division in the NFL, I think. So that works out for them, but I still think the Titans are probably the team to beat in the South. And then Wentz is is trash. Maybe he rebounds with his old coach and, and Frank Reich, but he's already been hurt. Now he's out with COVID, and they have some other guys missing with COVID. It, it could honestly end up being a terrible season for Indy, but we'll definitely have to wait and see on that. We will. Wentz is definitely a, a pray the COVID away kind of guy, too. Yeah, yeah. He's so bad, dude. You hate, you hate to see it. How do you go from being an MVP candidate to being just so trash? It doesn't make any sense. Before we get into some of the notable cuts that happened this week, just confirming a couple of injuries that we that we knew about, but uh, we're speculating how they would turn out. Both Tariq Cohen and Michael Thomas have been confirmed to start the season on the PUP list, which means that they are not eligible to return for the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, so Cohen, not surprisingly, ended up on the PUP list, so he's going to be out for the first six weeks. That boosts Damian Williams, I think, who should have a solid role on the Bears offense as the RB2. And then if David Montgomery were to go down with injury, he would be the workhorse back in Chicago. So I like Damian Williams. I think David Montgomery is a fine pick. If you can get him like in the fourth or fifth round, I, I think... I would consider him there, but don't have many shares of DeMont. So I think it boosts Damian Williams more than Montgomery. And then Michael Thomas is out as well, but I think he will be back week seven. So in best ball, I still like him. You know, you're missing five games from him. The Saints have a week six bye, but you're getting him back for the playoff stretch. And I think he will be a target monster with really only Camara threatening opportunity in you know, a Jameis Winston-led offense. But with Michael Thomas being out, it obviously boosts. Trey Quan, it obviously boosts Marquez Callaway, who might be the number one over Trey Quan. And it definitely boosts Kamara, who I would expect to have a 28 to 30% target share in these first five games without Michael Thomas. So I, I think Kamara is worth... The 102, if you want to take him above Cook in, in full PPR, I think you're locked and loaded 100 catches for Kamara this year and easily will be a top five running back barring injury. So love Kamara without Michael Thomas. Think he's a smash and 
You know, I like some of the other Saints wide receivers, but not if you have to pay an eighth round price tag for Marquez Callaway, who honestly is probably not a great wide receiver. We're just uh, itching for somebody to be good in that offense led by Jameis Winston. Yep, I I agree with that. I was kind of uh, surprised to not see them try and scoop up one of the interesting wide receivers that were released uh, as cuts. Maybe that'll come later in the week. Yeah, I mean, if if Jameis Winston is able to hold on to this starting job for the duration of the season, I mean, Michael Thomas could, you know, come back and be a a league winner down the stretch with such a consolidated Mm -hmm. target share there in New Orleans between him and Alvin Kamara. We saw something similar, you know, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in, you know, uh, Jameis's time as the starter for the Bucks, and they were just absolute fantasy monsters. So uh, I'm actually sort of coming around to Michael Thomas after being off off of him. I think that the Jameis Winston uh, news is is really impactful for Michael Thomas's outlook this season. Yeah, I definitely agree. Moving on to some notable cuts, uh, teams had to reduce their rosters to 53 men, and uh, we, we lost some some brave soldiers along the way. Uh, the first from my own Detroit Lions, Brashad Perryman, who they signed earlier this offseason, struggled throughout camp, was being outplayed by fourth round rookie Amon Ross St. Brown, as well as Tyrell Williams. He has since been picked up by Chicago. Chicago, do you think that Perryman has any sort of upside uh, in the Bears offense? Eh, not really. Not with Andy Dalton, because Andy Dalton is horrible. Mm-hmm. And then if Justin Fields comes in, you know, you're you're taking away pass attempts because he's going to run a little bit. I think A-Rob is the clear-cut alpha. Then you have Darnell Mooney, a young rising star, a year two wide receiver. So he's going to be clear cut behind them. Then he's probably behind Marquise Goodwin and Demir Bird at this point. Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham is still there. And then you got the running backs too. So I'm not drafting Perryman at all. At best, he's like the fourth option on the Bears if everything works out. But realistically, he's probably like the eighth option. So just no. Um, Just no. it, it does consolidate targets uh, in Detroit a little bit. I think that, you know, there have been mm-hmm. steady r- reports that Tyrell Williams has sort of won that wide receiver one job and Amonra St. Brown's going to be locked into 100% of these slot snaps there. So I think that that's interesting. We know that Hawkinson and Swift are going to be factors as well. But, um, uh, you know, just a little bit of confirmation that Tyrell Williams is the guy as we sort of suspected. Yeah, I definitely like Tyrell in the late rounds if you can get him in like the 15th round as the Lions wide receiver one that's great I think obviously Hawkinson and Swift figure to be like the target hogs in that offense but I still think Tyrell can see 95 100 targets and provide some fantasy value as a 15th round pick so I don't I don't mind him there at all uh another cut that I was sort of surprised by was John Brown being released from the Raiders it seems like he's fallen very far very quickly I mean he was a year removed from being a pivotal piece of the Bills offense there were like stunning splits in how effective Josh Allen was with John Brown in the lineup versus without him and you know he could barely make a splash on a team led by Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards as as receivers it's kind of surprising but not really I mean John Brown hasn't been like relevant in a while I don't I don't know if this really affects anything too much. You know, maybe Brian Edwards is undervalued a little bit, and maybe Henry Ruggs is too. But they're both going in what, like the top twelve rounds. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're getting one of them in the fifteenth or sixteenth round. You still have to pay up for them. So I mean John Brown is pretty ass. 
I think at this point in his career. Um, he's always had durability issues, but I, th- I think he'll get signed. So we'll have to see where he goes. You know, he could definitely have a role if he goes to like the Saints or if he goes back to the Ravens, mm-hmm. you know, a scheme that he's familiar with and they've dealt with some injuries. So he could he could be fantasy relevant. He'll probably have like one week where he goes off for like 30 points this year. But other than that, he won't do shit. <laughs> I think that he's a big enough name and he's had enough production in the NFL that he'll definitely get signed and it'll just sort of depend on where he lands as to whether or not he'll have any relevance. Travis Fulgham was cut by the Eagles. He was their leading receiver last season. I think that was a little bit surprising, but it seems to be directly related to Quez Watkins' rise throughout training camp and he's made a solid impression and, and figures to be involved in an offense led by Jalen Hurts. Yeah, definitely like Quez Watkins as a late fl- flyer kind of the same situation with Justin Fields where Jalen Hurts is going to run the ball a lot so we don't really know how many pass attempts per game he's going to have and then obviously you have Rager you have Devontae Smith you have both tight ends you have Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell there and Boston Scott so where does Quez Watkins really fit in to the mix like I said late flyer is fine but he's probably not going to be fantasy relevant for the 2021 season might have a spike week here or there but not really figuring him to do much and Travis Fulgham maybe he's just not as good as we thought he was I know he had that stretch of games where he just went off but he's probably just not good so yeah. Wasn't too surprising, but it was surprising that they kept our Sega White side over Travis Fulton. Yeah, that's yeah, that was that was definitely interesting. That's that's pretty bad. But this is a team that also didn't announce that Jalen Hurts would be their starter until like yesterday. So <laughs> Yeah, and then they went out and uh traded for Minshew and there are some people out there who think uh Hurts could be benched for Min- Minshew if Hurts plays bad, which um. I would say you are pretty dumb if you think that. So <laughs> I mean, look, I like Minshew's swag as much as the next guy, but yeah, that's that's uh, absolutely he's not, not happening. Absolutely yeah. not happening. <laughs> A couple late round best ball flyers, R.I.P. to these guys, Cornell uh, Powell who was the fifth round selection by the Chiefs. He gets cut, and I think that that sort of elevates, or, or not elevates, but I think it sort of substantiates the idea that Byron Pringle and, De- and Demarcus Robinson are the are the backups behind Hill and uh, Hardman. Pringle's a guy that I have a lot of exposure to. He could even be the wide receiver too, if the Miko Hardman thing doesn't work out once again. I like Pringle. Don't really like Demarcus Robinson too much, but he should be out on the field. I guess my thing is, is that we expect the Chiefs wide receiver too, to have a very good fantasy role, right? Patrick Mahomes-led offense. Andy Reid, head coach, great offensive scheme. But this specific role in the offense behind Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey has not been a good fantasy role in recent years. Like, it's just been spread out between three or four wide receivers. I don't have much shares of of Miko Hardman. I think you have to reach on a player that honestly might not just be good, period. You know, he's had, what, two mediocre seasons to start out his career. Um, You know, they kind of just reached on him because they thought Tyreek Hill was going to be suspended, and then he ended up playing the whole game. You know, I think they took him over, like, DK Metcalf or or something crazy in that 2019 draft. So I'm not in on Miko. I don't mind Pringle. I'm out on D-Rob. It's just I think think this role specifically is the most overvalued role 
in fantasy football, period. Right. And, and from a scheme perspective, even Sammy Watkins has uh, talked about it this offseason, um, you know, after he transitioned to the Ravens. And he mentioned, you know, my role in, you know, the Chiefs offense as the wide receiver, too, wasn't to be productive. It was to free up space for Kelsey and Hill. So, yeah, so yeah, I, that, exactly. that does make sense. And I think Hardman could definitely do that. I, I just like Pringle as a value because he's going to be on the field a lot. And he's essentially free. So so he's the player that I'm most interested in as the fallout of Powell not making it. This offense, it runs through Kelsey and Hill. And it's going to be the same unless one of them gets hurt. That's why, I mean, I like CEH. I know he's a running back, but I don't think he's going to have 80 targets this year because all the targets are going to go to the main two guys and the rest are going to get spread out between, you know, the three wide receivers and the couple running backs that they have on the roster. So really the only guys that I'm confident in on that team are Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill and maybe CEH. But honestly, CEH might not be that great either I think he's an average running back personally in terms of just pure talent obviously people like his pass catching upside but god some of some of these roles have not been good for fantasy but everybody just wants them to be good because they're on the Chiefs I mean they haven't been good when Damian Williams was you know had a role he was good if CEH steps into that role and he's getting four to six targets per game he's gonna smash I mean I think CEH is an average running back in the NFL. What's Damian Williams? I mean, Damian Williams wasn't that great in fantasy. He had a couple good games, but he wasn't consistent all year. Uh, Another year, another disagreement on CEH. Hopefully I'm right this year. Another couple of wide receivers people have been taking shots on that got cut, Tyron Johnson and Colin Johnson uh, from the Los Angeles Chargers and Jacksonville Jaguars, respectively. Tyron actually gets cut from LA and replaces Colin Johnson in Jacksonville. And Colin Johnson, who was making waves in camp as a deep threat, some people even speculated that he would have a, a role that, that took DJ Chark or Marvin Jones off the field. Obviously, that was just pure smoke. And he ends up with the New York Giants. Yeah, I mean, he's going into a crowded wide receiver room here. So, I mean, he's not even worth a draft pick anymore. Mm-hmm. Thought he was, you know, a fine 18th round or 20th round pick if you had Trevor Lawrence on a best ball team. I mean, I'm not ever taking him in redraft ever. Yep. I mean, you know, why are we even talking about him? You know, he's trash. The Tyron Johnson cut from LA is the one that I think is actually impactful because it sort of clarifies that Josh Palmer, the burner that the Chargers selected in the third round, is going to be the wide receiver three. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have both dealt with injuries throughout the course of their careers, and Josh Palmer could sort of slide into the role that, you know, Jalen Guyton had last year as a deep threat, and he had a couple of boom weeks. And, you know, if Josh Palmer is as good as the the camp reports say, he could be sort of one of the biggest slept on players players as the wide receiver three in a Justin Herbert led offense yeah I think Josh Palmer is one of the better wide receiver picks in the late rounds um, especially in best ball and especially if you you know have Herbert on your team I think it's definitely worth stacking them together and it was surprising that they cut Johnson I I thought he had a pretty good uh, run to be the wide receiver three in that offense but I mean they just opted to full-on cut him so I I think he's fine in Jacksonville now as you know the wide receiver four behind the the top three guys and then Palmer and then Jalen Guyton as just a pure deep threat He'll get a long touchdown or two mm-hmm. this year as well. So I don't I don't mind those guys, but I mean Keenan Allen, Target Monster, Austin Eckler, Target Monster. Those are gonna be like the focal points of the offense. And and then I think Mike Williams will have a solid role. Jared Cook should have a solid role as well. And then every other guy will kinda 
kind of feast on the rest of the targets. So that's how I think the pecking order will go in L.A. But, yeah, I mean, Palmer Palmer's value will come from an injury because uh, one of them will definitely get injured. The Chargers have the worst injury luck out of any team in the NFL, maybe besides the 49ers. Mm. That's that's valid for sure. Whatever's in that California water is not doing them justice. <laughs> no, no, it's not. We'll close out here with a couple of running back stories that I think are interesting. Man, I've really come around to the idea that Javante Williams, the rookie for the Broncos, is going to be a league winner. It seems like everything is aligning for him. The Broncos cut Royce Freeman. Mike Boone is going to be on IR to start the season, which really just leaves Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Gordon, an aging running back who was getting work in the final preseason game for the Broncos. Meanwhile, Williams was sat and rested as a second round rookie. I think that that speaks volumes to the way that the Broncos view Javante right now. Yeah, I think Javante is the week one starter. I think Melvin Gordon is still going to have a role. He still has a decent salary. He's going to be out on the field. But as the season goes on, we know that rookies get better and, you know, he's going to get more accustomed to the NFL game and get more used to the blocking schemes and whatnot as the year goes on. So Javante should fully take the RB1 role away from Melvin Gordon as the season progresses. And I think he's fine in fantasy. I think this is another situation where we have to see who's the pass catching back because, in my opinion, I I think Melvin Gordon is going to be the pass catching back to begin the season. You know, we've seen him be productive in the passing game throughout his career so I think the Broncos will use him in that facet but if Javante can take that away from him then I think Javante will be really valuable I don't mind him as a sixth round seventh round pick he goes a little bit higher than that which is why I don't have too much of Javante in best ball but I think he's fine I mean but not if you have to take him the fifth round. That's so expensive, man. It is, but I mean, this- he's in the James Robinson tier for me. All the the all the running backs that we were talking about, you know, twenty minutes ago, he's in that tier for for me personally. I think that's a fair uh, assessment, but I just think that uh, Javante is a player who's going to start off with a role that you know will be in question. And I agree that Melvin Gordon is likely to siphon off a decent amount of the receiving work, if not most of it. But you know, if Javante is as good as he seems like he possibly could be on a team that's going to run the ball um, with a quarterback that can, you know, dump passes off. If Javante is able to sort of develop into an every down player, which I think is very realistic with the point at which Melvin Gordon is in his career, then Javante, I don't know. I think that, you know, he'll be decent. He'll probably have a couple good weeks, a couple shaky weeks in the first eight or nine games, but down the stretch, he could be a full-blown workhorse on an offense that could be better than people are expecting. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like I said, uh, rookies get better as, as the season goes on. So it's definitely within the range of outcomes that he takes the job away from Melvin Gordon and he's the clear cut three down back. But then again, there is still a lot of mouths to feed on that offense if we're just, you know, taking a look at it at the wide receiver core and then you got Noah Fant at tight end. Mm-hmm. So don't know how many targets uh Javante will get this year. Um think it's probably lower than than some of the running backs he's going around in best ball right now. I could see that. Speaking of another rookie running back, Najee Harris, Jalen Samuels gets cut. Anthony McFarlane gets sent to IR. That leaves only Harris and Benny Snell. Snell is a bona fide scrub. I mean, God, Harris is just an absolute stone lock to get 300 plus touches. And I just wanted to shout out that his over under for rushing touchdowns scored on DraftKings right now is seven and a half. So if you're interested in any free money, I, w- I would lock that bet. <laughs> yeah, I like I like Najee in the second round. Um, 
he's definitely going to get volume and volume is king in fantasy football so if you can get him as you know your rb2 if you go with your rb1 in the first round or if you can get him as your rb1 and an elite wide receiver one I think that's fine like you said probably a lock for 300 plus touches i'd say he's a lock for like 60 plus targets as well so definitely like Najee, and you know at least he's not a first rounder like ceh was last year then i would probably fade him but he's a second round pick this year a late second round pick at that so I think he's fine mm-hmm. if you want to go that route. You know, you're going to get guaranteed volume out of out of Najee, so definitely like him. Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe his year one ceiling could be reduced just because of the terrible quality of the offensive line and Big Ben's likely decline. But, I mean, God, just in terms of, like, a cash game player, like, in redraft where floor is important, Najee's, it's going to be hard to argue against Najee Harris's floor in year mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yeah. They, they have nobody else there. So yeah, absolutely nobody. <laughs> I think they want to go back to, you know, 2016, 2017 when Lev was, you know, the feature back and they want their running back to be a workhorse in both the rushing and receiving game, like how Le'Veon Bell was, because that's, that's when the Steelers offense w- was great, right? When they had Lev Bell doing what he did and then Antonio Brown and, and some of the other wide receivers, they had their Sanders. I think that's kind of what they want to go back to. I mean, it makes sense they drafted Harris in the first round which I mean is pretty egregious but they did it and they want to use him as a workhorse and it's it's just that simple I I think he's a fine pick just don't know what his ceiling is though I don't I don't know if he's I don't know if he could be a 30 point per game player or 25 point per game player at that yeah I I actually I do agree with that because I think the touchdown ceiling is definitely not as high I, I think he'll be a solid 18 points per game in full PPR you know because he's not he's not going to get Camara CMC level receiving workload which is fine you don't need that out of you know a second round third round pick maybe in a redraft right but he'll get four catches per game I, I think somewhere around there and then I think his efficiency on the ground will will hurt with the offensive line but I think he'll score 15 to 18 points per game and be a solid uh RB2 I think that the comparable I would give him is last year's James Robinson, where just the volume yeah. is so insane. He gets there like, no, he's not going to be Camara or Henry or Dalvin Cook, but he is going to just be so consistent that he's like, he'll finish top 12, yes. but he's not going to give you the crazy spike weeks of a Camara Cook, Henry CMC. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that we, uh, we agree on, on how we view Najee Harris All right, Joey, before we get out of here, let's just break down for the people our in-season content schedule. Like I said at the top of the show, this is our final uh, podcast of the off-season. From here on out, we are going to be transitioning fully back into DFS, which goddamn, I'm so excited for. But with that change comes, uh, you know, more content every single week. We're going to be dropping it like crazy, fully focused. It's grind time, Joey, if you want to tell the people about what we're going to be doing this season. Yeah, so... Starting week one, we're going to have two podcasts per week. Again, just how we did last year. So Monday will be the review podcast of Ben and Mind's lineups. So you'll be able to find that on all podcast platforms. Go over our lineups, go over trends that you know we found interesting. And I know a lot of people find that segment pretty interesting. So we're gonna do that. And then Wednesday, 
will be my GPP video, specifically like the Millie Maker, who I like, you know, in large field tournaments. Thursday will be our preview episode where we break down the slate from a DraftKings perspective, specifically in cash games. Well, you know, we'll, we'll give some tournament opinions as well. Friday, Ben will release his cash game advice video. He'll go over his tiers for each position in cash games, which is always great. Saturday, brand new this year, we will have a late night Q&A where we will give advice to anybody that wants it on specific lineup decisions or player versus player decisions for DraftKings every Saturday night live stream every single week. So that, that's something new that we're doing. And then obviously on, on YouTube, we're, we're going to have clips of the podcast as well. If, if you just want to listen to, you know, like three minute clips of the podcast. So yeah, uh, super excited for the Saturday stream. I think we really needed to add this to our, uh, to our content schedule. You know, the podcast coming out on Thursday is great. I think it's a good resource to sort of give you like the building blocks and, and sort of an early look at the upcoming slate. But you know, that, that information be- can become really outdated by the end of the week by Saturday night, you know, when we're going to be doing this stream, it'll be perfect to update our thoughts. So, you know, just to make sure that we're still in line with what we're giving advice on and that's still the way that we feel after, you know, all the news comes out on Friday and Saturday and sort of shifts the slate. So I'm excited to be doing that every Saturday, probably have some drinks, uh, you know, get people up on the stream Mm -hmm. and, and just sort of, you know, talk it out with the people. So I'm looking forward to that. And also, I mean, we're not going to be doing Sunday morning content, but we will be locked into the discord all morning. So if you guys ever want to just hop in the discord and, you know, chat about DFS in the mornings, um, you know, we'll be in there. We'll be, we'll be in yeah. there. I can't wait. We'll be in there up until one o'clock. And I mean, we'll be in there all day. Yeah. Sweating, I mean, we'll be watching football, but tilting. definitely, yeah, definitely have to get in the discord link down below. It's free to join. Yep. We'll be tilting, probably, hopefully figuring out some late swap options to, to try and bink some large field tournaments and, and win a bunch of money this year. So make sure you join that. Yep. And, and last but not least guys, check out our final draft stream of the season it's on this evening thursday uh you can find out exactly when if you check out our twitter and uh yep gonna be a big dog draft joey myself and three of our long-standing discord members are gonna be hopping in yep. splitting an entry it's gonna be all five of us on stream it's gonna be a complete vibe drafting a 250 dollars entry into underdogs yep. a big dog tournament looking forward to that yep so i mean that's another reason to join the discord what other podcasts is just doing drafts with their members you know i can't think of a single one like we're we're for the people we are we're we're not we're not gonna act like we're we're above anybody we're all on the same level here right yep. so we're we're gonna get three of them on stream and you know we're all gonna put in our input and try and make the best picks possible and hopefully win 100k and we'll each win 20k and it's gonna be a vibe yeah well probably a little bit less than that after taxes so we'll, we'll figure that out uh <laughs> you know in in february but look That is going to be it for episode 159 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. Like we said, starting next week, we'll have new episodes every Monday and Thursday, two episodes per week on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. You'll also be able to catch our late night live streams on Saturday evenings and join the Discord channel for Sunday morning discourse on our final adjustments for each and every DFS slate of the season. If you're listening out there, just know that we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.